Welcome to the Fabricators Coach Podcast, where we believe that every fabricator deserves to have a business that not only makes the money, but also gives them time to enjoy it. In each episode, our goal is to share real information that you can take action on and use today, information that, if you will use it, can help you reduce the chaos in your business, help you make more money, and help you get your life back. This particular podcast was created from a live recording of a previous webinar to protect the confidentiality of the attendees. We've gone in and redubbed some of the questions and cut out some of the conversations. So if it doesn't flow quite as smoothly as you'd like, that's the reason why it may sound a little odd at times. All right. So the article we want to talk about this time is the one that came out a couple of weeks ago in Sleepy Rock Gazette. And the title is uh, Change is So Hard, Why Should I Bother? Um, you can get a copy of the article if you haven't read it. You can hit our website, fabricatorscoach.com, select the blog menu option. It's there. Uh, or you can go to sleepyrockgazette.net and select current issue. And if you want any previous articles, you can hit their archives link and go back several years and, and pick up uh, any article that they've got. So they've got all the electronic versions online and you can, you can pick those up, which is great. Um, just a quick uh, thumbnail sketch of my background in case you, you haven't run across my ugly face in the past. I've got over 40 years experience in manufacturing, business, and coaching. Um, I've owned my own brick and mortar business, so I know what it's like to be in that lonely position of managing cash flow, making payroll, uh, working with employees, working with customers. Uh, it's tough to be on that island sometimes, and, uh, and I've been there, so I understand what that's like. I ran a fab shop for a couple of years. Uh, my first countertop client was 20 years ago. So I've been doing this type of work in, in this industry for, for about 20 years. Um, and I really like working in this industry. I, I, to me, it's important that every fab shop owner have, has a business that helps them make money, but also gives them time to enjoy that money. I mean, if you can't enjoy it and have fun with it, what's the point, right? So quick thumbnail sketch there. I want to cover some basic uh, concepts from the article, just kind of a highlight and an overview. And again, as you've got questions, please jump in because I want to make sure I'm giving you information that you can take and use today. That's the whole point of the articles and the whole point of the webinar. Um, I did an article back in December, Slippery Rock, that you know I can remember when I ran a shop. December, Thanksgiving, you know, the holidays were just they were just everything that was tough during the year just came to a boiling point and was just even much more intense during the holiday season. So I got to thinking about, okay, if you're going through that now and you know, what was then December holidays of, of 2021, what could you do over the next year to make the holiday season for 2022 better? And that was, that was kind of the thought process. So I put together a, a series of 12 topics to cover. Uh, if you want to go back and read that article, it's fairly short, but that's, um, that's back in December, Slippery Rock Gazette, and it's also on our website. And the whole idea was to start giving you some tools that you could use to begin to work on your business. The more that you work on your business, the better your business is going to get. If you spend all your time working in the business, if you're doing the books, if you're you know, handling customers and, and making sales, or you're out there doing templates and doing installs or fabricating tops, and there are times when you have to do that from time to time, no question, especially with COVID, you know, those times will pop up and you'll, you know, you'll have a lot of absenteeism and you just got to pitch in. But the idea is that if you spend all of your time just working in your business, 
then the challenges that you have in your business probably aren't going to get any better anytime soon. And so you've got to be able to step back and start working on your business. And that's what these articles are about is to help give you some tools to, to help you make that transition and, and get you there. Okay. Obviously, if you want to improve your business, you got to change something. And so that change process can really be a challenge. Uh, it can be tough to know where to start. And we talk about how to get started in, in this article. And then sustaining changes, as we all know, can be really difficult. You know, how many of you have gone in and changed a process somewhere in your business, either up in the office or out on the shop floor, did something that you thought was going to be a really good change and help you out a lot, and then 30 days or 60 days later, you walk back and, and all of a sudden you can't tell that you changed anything. Has that ever happened to you? Absolutely. It's, uh, and, I, and, you know, when a lot of the, the average size of a fab shop in the United States is somewhere in that three to $4 million range. I don't have any current stats, but that's what it was not too long ago. And so that's kind of the classic definition of a small business. And when you're in businesses that size, uh, smaller or larger, um, it's it's really tough to have all the skill sets that you need, and it's tough sometimes to to herd those cats to get them to go where you want them to go. And that's part of what we addressed in this article was was some things to do to help make that change last. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then we talked a little in the article about how to kickstart that process because talking about change is one thing. Uh, actually making it happen is, is uh, where you, the rubber beats the road. That's where you get the value out of it, right? So what we want to do is, is I'll do a quick overview of the three basic steps, which are figure out what it is that needs to change specifically. Talk about why the change is important. And we'll talk about how to go through that. And then actually move into action mode, make things start to happen now. So that's kind of the overview of what we're getting ready to cover. This is uh, all set up as a team exercise. Uh, you know, as owners, uh, if you're owners or if you're the top manager, uh, you can go in and dictate this kind of thing and decide for people. That's great. But I think is, is, um, that's a little difficult for everybody to go along sometimes. And what I found is when you get folks involved in the change process, you get a lot more buy-in. And so that doing this as a team is really important. Now, who's on your team and how big the team is, that's going to vary by your business. If you've got a specific scenario you want to talk about, I'll be glad to talk through, you know, your business and how big it is, who should be on your team. And, and that's something we can certainly do. Uh, in, but that's something you got to think about when you go to set this up. But the first step is deciding, you know, what is it you want to change? Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, when I was running the shop, holidays were our really tough, intense time and all the challenges that we normally had during the year just you know they were just like under a magnifying glass they were the the, the pot on the stove was turned up on high and it was boiling over uh, so I think it's helpful to get your team together get them in a room uh, it's great if you've got a whiteboard to do this with it could be really helpful and you'll see that in just a minute but get everybody a, a stack of 3m post-it notes or, or sticky notes as we sometimes call them and give them about 10 minutes and say list all the challenges that you had over the holidays in the business. Have them put one issue on each sticky note. People may come up with three, they may come up with 30, doesn't matter. But give them some time to pull those together. And then one at a time, have folks go up to the front of the room and put those sticky notes up on the board. And as they put a sticky note up on the board, have them read the note. 
Now, hopefully you folks have been through some brainstorming sessions in the past. Uh, anybody here not been through one of those? Just a regular brainstorming session? Okay. One of the key, then if you've been through them, what you know is one of the key rules is when you're brainstorming, the purpose is to generate a lot of ideas. And in order to keep that idea generation process going, you never want to try to solve those problems. You never want to assess if that idea is real or not. You know, did that really happen? Or is that just your own personal pet peeve? Uh, you don't want to criticize anybody's ideas. The whole point is to get them up on the board. So as you're managing and facilitating this process, keep that in mind. And if somebody puts a sticky note up there and reads it and it doesn't make sense or it isn't clear, it's certainly fine to ask them and say, what do you mean this or do you mean that? And make sure you get good clarity and make sure everybody in the room understands what that person just said. Um, as you do this, you'll see several things happen. One is you'll see a lot of some repetition. Some folks will see the same issue. They'll have it worded a different way, maybe. Uh, it's okay to stack those on top of each other if it's the same thing. Just get, as you're facilitating this, just get consensus from the room to say, yeah, this really is the same as this other one. And if somebody has a major disagreement, then don't stack it. Just keep it as a separate issue. That's fine. Um, so um, group all your same issues. You know, they're identical. Keep those together. But then what you'll see is that groups will fall into categories. Or not groups. Your, your comments, your sticky notes will fall into categories. You'll have install issues, you'll have customer service issues, you have scheduling issues, those kinds of things. Um, attendance issues, you know, COVID's got us dealing with all of that everywhere. Um, so group those together by category. That's really important because you start to look at those categories of issues, those groups of issues, and it kind of helps you start to focus on where in the business might be some good places to start. Okay, so at this point, what you've done is got a bunch of good ideas of what, where the issues are. Uh, you've got good clarity on what everybody is seeing that's in this team. Uh, and then you've got these things kind of grouped together. So we got a question from one of the webinar attendees wanting to know how many people they should involve in this process. I'll give you the classic coaching answer. It depends. <laughs> Uh, it depends a lot on the size of your organization. Um, you know, if you've got a, an eight or $10 million fabricator and, and you've got, um, you know, 60, 70 employees, obviously you can't get everybody together. Um, in that case, what you want probably is your management team would be your, your primary group. If you're a smaller fabricator, you're $2 million, $3 million, you can probably get your front office people, your production manager, uh, you know, maybe one or two key other people, and you may have a group of four or five that, that get together and do this. If you're a smaller shop, you may be only two or three people doing this. So it depends a lot on, on the size of your business as to who's in it. Um, ideally, you want as many people involved as practical. And I realize if you're a small shop, the more people you have involved, the less work you're getting done that day. And we can talk about some ways to work around that too. But hopefully that gives you kind of a rough idea of some rough guidelines. One of, the, one of the attendees had about 20 people in their company. And so a follow-up question they asked was if they could include all 20 people in this process, and if so, would it work well? When you get you know, guys on the shop floor, get your installers and all that together, um, it can be a, a bit of a challenge to pull them all together. But if you've got a culture that you know, you're used to having monthly all-hand meetings, 
Uh, you're doing a lot of employee involvement things, cookouts, lunches, that kind of stuff. Um, a group of 20 is manageable. I, I would not want to manage or facilitate a group larger than 20. And if you've got a group larger than 20, or if you're not sure that you have the skills to handle a group that size, you can break it into two groups is fine, okay? Let's walk through the rest of the process, and I think it'll help give you a little clarity on, on whether you want to do the entire company of, of 20 or not, okay? All right, so at this point, what we've done is, is you've got a pretty good idea of where the big issues are. Um, as an owner, as a manager, uh, you probably already know all of these. What I find is that, you know, when we work in a business, you know, all day, every day, we have a sense that we have our finger on the pulse of what's going on. We know all the things that are happening. What we don't always have a good sense of is how well do our, are our people seeing that? How, how attuned are they to that? And sometimes we learn a few things we didn't know. We may think, hey, this is working okay, but I've, all of a sudden I've got two people over here that are really struggling with that issue, and I didn't know that. So even in a smaller business, you can learn some things. So be, be open to that as an owner or a manager, okay? So we got all these issues grouped together. Um, now we want to start talking about why do we need to change? You know, we all know, everybody knows that going through a change process is not easy. It can be a little difficult or it can be terribly difficult. And when somebody's trying, we feel like somebody's trying to cram it down our throat or force it on us, we certainly know it's going to be tough. And no matter how, what size your business is, you're dealing with customers. You know, you're at the intersection of retail and construction and design and manufacturing and all that's going on in your business. It's a lot to juggle. And so trying to change anything takes time. And so you've got to have some good motivation to do that. Um, the big area to start with is probably the most obvious one is what's the business impact? And to do that, I think it's important to have a group discussion to say, okay, let's look at this first group of issues, this first group of issues, first group of sticky notes, and it's all of the install problems, for example. What was the impact of these issues on the business? And you'll find things like, well, you know, we made this builder mad and we probably won't get any more business from them. You might be able to put a dollar figure on that when you can and you can do a rough estimate. It's helpful to do that. But it's also important just to know, OK, we lost a builder or we lost a kitchen and bath dealer or, or whatever. Uh, or we, we have a couple of customers that are upset and they live in this particular neighborhood. We'd like to get more business from and it's going to be tougher to get more countertop installs and countertop sales in that area. And that's a market we really like to penetrate. So, you know, write those down anecdotally, put dollar figures on them when you can. The idea is to, you know, you see these issues, well, just how big are they? You know, what's the impact of that? And you may go through something like, okay, you know, over the holidays, we had, you know, 10% of our jobs, we had uh, remakes or callbacks, we had some kind of install issue, okay? Um, and you can say, okay, well, that was probably X number of jobs. The impact of that was $500 a job or $1,000 a job. And it's not, the purpose isn't precision. The purpose is just order of magnitude. Because what you want to do is look at these groups of issues relative to each other to see where they're significant. The other thing that this does is that, you know, everybody knows the business has to be successful. Everybody knows that the business needs to make money. But understanding you know, sometimes when you get folks is trying to get them to buy into a change, understanding why it's important to the business to make this change and putting as much 
data around that as you can really helps helps them pay a little more attention sometimes. So we're talking about the business level of the impact at this point, and that's that's one part of the motivation for the change. So the next level is where it gets personal. When you get into to making driving change in an organization, there's always this one big question we've got to answer. And it's the WIFM question. Each individual is saying, yeah, but what's in it for me? WIFM. And that's where this personal impact gets to be important. I think it's important to, to get um, give everybody else another stack of sticky notes, take about five or 10 minutes and have them write down as you dealt with all these issues this holiday season, what was the impact on you personally? You know, you'll get comments like high levels of stress or I didn't sleep at night or I worked a lot of overtime, you know, typical things like that. But you're going to find out some other things too. You know, I missed a dance recital for my daughter, you know, because things were crazy and I had to come in and take care of it. And I hated to miss that for my, you know, six-year-old daughter or whatever. Uh, or, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, my, my mother-in-law lives with me and, and it, you know, I spent a lot of time helping take care of her and I had to actually go get some help with that because I'd spend more time at the office. You'll, you probably know a lot of these things already. Getting them out there is important. Getting people to write it down and recognize it is important because it makes it real. It makes it tangible. And sometimes coworkers don't know these things about each other. So this is a really big, it can be a little emotional sometimes, but it's really a big team building uh, exercise. People get honest, they open up a little bit and we say, hey, you know, this is, <laughs> this is really affecting my quality of life. Uh, and have folks go up and as they have impacts that relate to these different issues, put those sticky notes up there and, and, and you know, talk about what those issues are. Um, because now what you've done is everybody understands business impact, business profit. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we get it. Uh, that, that type of, a, of an approach. But when you start making it personal, now it's like, okay, if we can fix these problems, not only does the business have an improvement, my life gets better. And quite frankly, that's one of the things that gets me out of the bed in the morning is when we can go in and start making positive change in a business and people's quality of life gets better, that's some seriously good work. That's a lot of fun. And so when you can start doing this in your business, uh, I think that's, that's, um, that's a, a high level of work and, and certainly very valuable to do. So you're having them quantify that, that personal impact. It won't necessarily be dollars, but it'll be anecdotal. It'll be very personal. And it really does get folks thinking about, okay, why do we want to do this? Now you've got some motivation. And anytime during the change process, things start to lag, start to slow down. Sometimes you hit a little rough patch and it starts to, to get to be a little iffy. Go back and revisit, you know, make a photograph of, of this board where you can read some of the details. Go back and revisit the business impact and the personal impact. Say, guys, I know it's tough to get this change done, but remember, if we can be successful with this, here's what it means to us, not just as a business, but us as individuals. Does that sound like something that might be worth doing? Can you see the value of looking at both the business impact and the personal impact for helping not just drive the short-term change, but also drive some of the long-term sustaining that change? 
All right, so now we've we've identified some really good opportunities. We've got people motivated. The thing we don't want to do is let it fall flat. So what we want to do is start taking action. We want to do that quickly. Um, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with Pareto, you know, rank things on impact from highest to lowest and go tackle those big impact issues first. Looks good on paper, but what I've found is the reality is those big hairy problems that have a big hairy impact are the biggest on the Pareto chart because they're probably the toughest to solve. And if you take all this motivation and turn it loose on those big hairy problems, you've got a high percentage probability of running right slam into a brick wall. And that's not going to help you. Okay. What I like to say is that nothing succeeds like success. And what I mean by that is take those groups of issues that you identified in the first part of the exercise and have a short discussion to rank them, get consensus from, consensus from the group, which ones are the easiest to solve and which are the hardest to solve? You do on a scale of one to three, one to five, something quick, simple, easy, get close, but have a good understanding of each group of issues relative to the others, which look like they're the easiest. And then go tackle the first two or three easiest ones now. The idea is start making change, take the easy stuff, get it knocked out and show progress. You've got motivation. You've got some excitement around what you've just done, talking about impacts, both business and personal. And then you start to see some success from this exercise. It's a great jump start to move you into action mode. As you're doing that, now, you know, depending on the size of your business, you may have an individual have tackle issue. You may have two or three people tackle an issue. Those are decisions you can make as you go. But as you start to tackle these smaller issues, then look at that next more, you know, if you do like a one, two, and three grouping, you just tackle the number ones, which are the easiest. Start looking at the number two level and not quite as tough as the big hairy ones and figuring out, okay, how are you going to tackle those? Uh, and you're going to, who's going to tackle them? And, and as you get these little ones knocked off and you can start moving into that medium next level, what you're going to find is you work your way from easiest to most difficult, several things. One is, as you get success under your belt, your team's going to realize, they're going to get more confident. We can do this, okay? It, it reinforces itself. Nothing succeeds like success. And so now those big hairy issues don't look as daunting. It's a psychological thing because you've got some success. The other thing that happens is, and I've done this, is as you start working through the easy issues, and you start solving those problems, many times you start whittling down those really big hairy issues because you start working on the edges of those because none of these issues really stands alone. You know, if you've got a scheduling issue, well, it's because of something that's happening in another part of the business. If you've got install issues, it's because the template wasn't right, something didn't happen in fabrication. So these, these groups overlap each other some, and as you start working from easiest to hardest, you're going to whittle down some of those hardest, toughest issues. And when you get to them, they won't be as big and hairy in reality. Plus, they won't seem as big and hairy psychologically. So it's a really great way to get yourself started, get some wins under your belt, uh, and then start making some really good solid progress. One of the big keys to this is make sure you celebrate success. As you go through this, 
you know, folks are going to struggle with things. Uh, they may knock something out real quick. It, it doesn't matter how hard it was or how easy it was. Man, when something gets done, celebrate that success. Make it visible, simple, quick reward, pat on the back. If you do monthly meetings, recognize when the monthly meetings, you know, all those types of things are good to do. So people understand that as an owner, as a manager, you appreciate this. Uh, that's that's really important that they know that you that you think this is important and you recognize what they're doing. Uh, I've got clients that actually will they'll go to the bank and get a bunch of twenty five or fifty dollar uh, prepaid Visa cards, uh, or they'll go get, a, get Walmart cards or gas cards or grocery store cards, and they'll keep several of them in their pocket. And when they go out of the shop, you know they see something like this getting dealt with, or you have a team like this tackling something and a, and a group gets something done thank them, recognize them, and hand out a couple of those gift cards. You know, it's quick, easy, it's informal, but it's a little something that really, really motivates folks. You'd be surprised at, at how much it really motivates folks. So it's um, celebrating success is really important. And keep in mind that success isn't always solving the problem. Sometimes success is going through and tapping it and sticking with a, you know, a stubborn problem and digging through it. And while you're in the process of solving something that's a challenge, celebrate the effort, celebrate the consistency, you know, go look for things that are good. It, it's kind of interesting having, having run some plants and, and owned my own business, it's really easy to go out into your business and find things that are not going well, right? I think we're all pretty good at doing that. I think that's whenever you get a title that says supervisor, manager, or owner, I think that's kind of naturally comes with it, doesn't it? Uh, the thing that's tough for folks to do a lot of times, and it's a, it's a mental thing, is to go find things that are working well. And I would challenge you, if you're not doing this already, get some of these gift cards or something similar and pick a date on your calendar for next week that you're going to go walk through your business and you're going to try to find three things that are being done correctly or are going well. Doesn't have to be a change or an improvement, just something that's right. And go look for something that's good, pat that person on the back, and recognize them somehow. You start doing that, he's about doing a culture change, that'll drive a lot of really good positive culture change. Just taking that time to go focus on what's going well in your business rather than always focusing on what's wrong. Um, if you think you might want to try this, my challenge to you is take a minute right now, grab a pencil and a piece of paper. Write down the names of the people that will be on your team. And go ahead and pick a date and a time next week to do this. Small group, four or five people, you can do this in an hour. You know, if you've got 10, 15, 20 people, allow a couple hours to do this, maybe two and a half. But if you think you might want to do this, I'm going I'm to sit here and shut my mouth for a few minutes and let you actually write down the names of the people that will be on your team and what your target date and time for next week is to do this. The reason I'm challenging you to do this is, you know, we can talk about this. It can sound good, feel good, read the article. It all looks good on paper. But it's midday on Friday, depending on what time zone you're in. Or maybe it's Friday morning for you. You've still got some time to work today. You'll get absorbed right back into the hubbub and the hustle and bustle of the business. You may or may, not, may or may not be working Saturday. You know, this time of year is frequently slow for a lot of fabricators. If you put this off until Monday to figure out when you're going to do it, 
time Monday rolls around, there'll be a whole new set of issues to deal with. You will have forgotten about this. Okay. And not that I think that I'm important, but you're on this because I think you want to get a good start on starting to drive some good positive change in your business. And if you really think you want to do that, making plans right now for what you're going to do next week is really important. Because if you don't write it down now, it probably won't happen. And if, if that's the case, then, then you wasted your time today. And I, and I hate that. I, I want to make sure that whatever we offer is something of value to you, something that you can use. And so the best way for you to get value out of it is to go use it. And the best way to do that is go ahead and put your plan together now. Anybody see any big challenges in doing this in your business? We had a specific question from one of the attendees who had a personnel change that they wanted to make, but they didn't really want to publicize it. However, they also realized from the web webinar that they needed to involve their team to make it successful. So they were asking about how best to handle that situation. Talk about the issue, not so much as a solution, because when you put those sticky notes up there, what we don't want to do is put solutions up there. We want to put problems or symptoms of problems. We don't want to ignore owner's issues because at the end of the day, it's your business and, and those issues have to be resolved. But if you want to get buy-in on getting those solved, helping them understand why it's an issue, I think is probably the, one of the big keys. Well, and, you know, obviously, if you're going to make changes, we want those changes to last. And as we said when we started, the more you get folks involved in driving these changes, first identifying them, then talking about impacts, and then taking on some of the challenges of addressing them. Uh, those are things that, um, those are things that um, as you get them involved, they, they have more ownership. Um, it really makes a big difference in how they perceive it. That's a big key in, in making this stuff last. Um, so that's, that's why we want to do this as a team. So we started a bit of a discussion about delegation and how to do that well. And then I got a chance to stop and summarize our conversation a little bit. Because what you've done is not only have you delegated responsibility, you've also delegated authority. And responsibility doesn't mean anything without authority. Responsibility is a burden if you don't have authority to make decisions. Um, what I find a lot of folks doing is they'll, they'll give somebody responsibility to go tackle something um, they may or may not make the authority clear, certainly won't set any boundaries. And then some point, sometime a few weeks later, they'll remember, oh yeah, I asked Sue to go do so-and-so. I wonder if she got that done yet or not. Sue, are you done with that? There's been no interim follow-up. So we had a short discussion about follow-up and here's where that discussion ended up. And one of the things you ask them is what kind of problems are they having and uh, what are their, um, what are their challenges? Um, there's a way to ask that question that can be real positive. There's a way to ask it that can be negative. I'll show you the negative way first. Uh, you assign something to Bob and you say, hey, Bob, have you solved that problem yet? Or have you fixed that whatever yet? Uh, that's kind of a, a me against you. And if Bob is struggling with it for some reason or hadn't gotten it done yet because he hadn't had time or whatever, now all of a sudden it's a negative conversation, right? Another way to approach that that can be really positive is say, hey, Bob, yeah, it looks like it's really tough to get that accomplished. What are the biggest obstacles that are keeping that from getting done? And a couple of things just happened when you did that. One is now it's not you asking Bob, have you been successful or have you done what I asked you to do? Now you've 
gone in and said, basically, it's me and you against the problem. And that's a whole different conversation. That's a supportive, enabling conversation. So that's one thing that you've done asking that question. Another thing that you've done is you've now challenged Bob to think through what are the obstacles that are keeping me from getting this done? All they may know is I'm struggling. I can't figure this out. I'm, you know, or they may think that, they, well, I got somebody who's holding me back, but they haven't really verbalized that. When you get somebody to think through and verbalize the specific obstacles, now they're starting to move into true problem solving. And so if you can ask a question in that mode with the right tone, you end up with me and you against the problem, very supportive. It's kind of a servant leader type approach. And you get them to think about obstacles. And if they have got some specific obstacles they can name, then you guys can work together on solving them or you can say, okay, so what do you need help with to overcome that obstacle? Will be the next question. If they can't come up with obstacles, then what you might do is, is say, look, I know this is a challenge. I know it's tough. Tell you what, let me give you another day to think about it. Let's plan on having lunch tomorrow, you know, talk about it. And now they, you've set the expectation and you've gotten them thinking, well, what really are the obstacles? Because a lot of folks don't think that way sometimes. And that, that, that can be a really, uh, really productive conversation. Typically, after an article is published, I get uh, questions about different aspects of the article, uh, people wanting clarification or having other questions. And so I got a chance, since we had a little bit of time left, to just do a quick review of some of those questions. Let me hit those real quick just for a minute. Um, some folks, when they start putting sticky notes on the wall, uh, people start criticizing what other people wrote. That's that brainstorming rules, making sure we're not evaluating or criticizing. It's the whole purpose is to get as many ideas on the wall as possible. So that's the key there. The second one is um, quantifying the impact can seem to take forever. If that's the case, when you're looking at either business impact, excuse me, where do people get hung up? Uh, it's because you're probably debating on how serious the problem is or you're trying to get too precise on the number. Uh, both of those cases, you're just trying to get an order of magnitude. You just want to rank these groups of issues relative to each other. So don't make it a, a real detailed exercise. Um, the third one is some folks get concerned about how much time this takes. If it's a small group and you've got three or four people, you can do this over a lunch. You can come in early and have biscuits or stay late and have pizza and do this in about an hour. Um, if that's a big challenge for you, and this time of year is a good time to do it because usually fab shops are slow this time of year. So it's a good time to do something like this. Um, if those times are tough for you, or if you think it's going to take longer, then uh, schedule some lunches or schedule you know, a couple of mornings a week where you put half hour, 45 minutes, come in a little bit early and do this break it up into some bite-sized pieces, but don't take any more than a week, maximum two weeks to get it done because you'll lose a lot of momentum if you break it up too much. But a small group should be able to do this in about an hour and a larger group, you know, two, two and a half hours. Um, so it's, it shouldn't be a huge burden. If it is, you're getting a little too into the weeds on it. Um, another challenge, some folks have trouble getting sticky notes into groups because Sometimes you'll have one, one note somebody had and maybe it belongs in several groups. Great, make copies and put them in all the groups they belong in. Make it simple, okay? So a pretty simple process when you go when you walk through it. If you guys have got some questions as you tackle this and just want to chat for a few minutes, give me a call or, or drop me a line. Uh, I'll be happy to help you out any way I can. The idea, again, as I said when we started, is when I put these articles out and have the webinars, I want to give you folks some tools that you can actually use. 
things that, that are practical for you, things that can help you start working on your business rather than just being consumed by and working in your business all the time. Because if you want things to get better, that's something you got to figure out how to do. And what I want to do is just offer you some ways to do that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fabricators Coach Podcast. If you've got any additional questions about this particular episode or anything else, please check us out at fabricatorscoach.com. Thanks. Have a great day.